Um, today, Crazy Riggs, aka Ed, and I are going to be talking about and watching The Thing. The Thing is one of my personal favourite horror sci-fi movies of all time. Ed and I now are going to watch The Thing. Superb film. I don't know if you knew this, Ed, but The Thing was released on the same day as uh, Blade Runner. Yep. And they both did bad at the cinema. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Thing Is it a thing from another world? Yeah, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. If you ever watch it, it's so Frank, funny. Frankenstein... In the wilderness. Well, it's that, isn't it? But it's like it's a vegetable. It's like a plant. But it is quality. Mind you, I was looking up some facts about this earlier. And how they made the title sequence to me, this is quality for special effects nowadays. I think, I believe the way they did it, they got a fish tank. Yeah. They filled it full of smoke, they put the sign, the thing inside it, put a black bag over it and set fire to it, and that's what they came up with. Alongside um, Escape from New York, this is Kurt Russell's best film. I think probably edging, because Snake Plissken is a great character, um, and obviously the inspiration behind Solid Snake. Definitely. From Metal Gear series. But I just think he... In this film, he's a badass, he's cool, he's funny, but he's also not afraid to take every risk possible. I really don't stand out this film flopped. I really just don't get it at the box office. Well, I think a lot of it um, at the time was because it had an E.T. E.T. was only three weeks released before it. Oh, was it? I didn't... Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, people had a specific thing about kiddie-friendly aliens. And, I mean, as it goes, it is a gore-fest of a film, but I, I don't think it's what you... From my point of view, I don't think it's what you class as extreme gore. It would be relevant to the creature that you're actually talking about. Yeah. Practical effects in this are outstanding. Totally outstanding. I mean, the guy who did it, Rob Botin, it was like his first job. Yeah. And he was only like 22 <laughs> years old. In fact, um, if you watch the Blu-ray or the DVD version of this, there's if depending on which version you get, of course, there's a cracking documentary about how they made all the special effects and how he was really keen in particular to try and make things look and feel real on camera so they've got a a level of I can't quite think of the right word but something not so substance but something that you know if you went and touched it you think oh my god that actually looks like splatter yeah for want of a better word because I do know he was was quite ill wasn't he because he worked on this for 12 months straight, seven days a week. Yeah. For 12 months. I'd have just left that grenade. So I was reading somewhere, not long back, 
that two guys who absolutely love this movie yeah. went to the site a few years back and part of the camp was still there and part of the helicopter that got blown up was still there and the one dude took the propeller blades and he's got it because he's such a big fan of the film. Well, apparently, uh, in the British Ant- Antarctic uh, exploration section, every 21st of June, which is the longest day, it's sort of like become an annual tradition where they all watch the thing. That would be quality, but in the same sense, a bit weird watching yeah. a film where... Did you know? They didn't have the rights to this song originally, so they had to um, edit a different song in, and then when they got the rights back, he re-edited this song back in. Ah, cool. No, I didn't know that. Look at the old pinball machine. See, I think these are the type of really clever sequences because then what's really good is, actually, this must be one of the best pet performances outside of La Lassie movie or Cujo. Oh, Cujo, there's a classic. Cujo, he's a nice, friendly pet. You okay? Not for long. Because that bit there as well... I didn't know until I'd watched some other bits and pieces. That's not actually one of the cast. He actually got one of the crew to sit in there so you couldn't actually tell who the dog had gone to because he wanted to keep the suspense going as long as he could and he knew that the shadow, you'd be able to tell who it was. Yeah, that's quite clever actually. No, it's not quite clever, it's very clever. This was his, um, one of his, what he calls his Apocalypse Trilogy. Because you have this one. Yeah. Is it The Prince of Darkness? Yeah. And then In the Mouth of Madness. I've seen The Prince of Darkness, but I've never seen In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness, that's when we Sam Neill, isn't it? Yeah. But I suppose it's one of those things, I mean, because if you're not a John Carpenter fan... Or you haven't seen some of his movies and enjoyed them. Yeah. You don't tend to pick up some of his stuff. Because, I mean, I love Escape from New York. Escape from LA is, it's an acquired taste, I think. I think it's clever and well, it's funny. The, the, but the, the lava surfing sequence, which is... But, I mean, that's the thing. You come... To expect some of his movies to have that over-the-top stuff in them. But, you know, I mean, for me, probably because this and Escape from New York were the first two of his films I actually saw, they will always be my favourites. Yeah, I think one of the first ones I saw of him was... um... Dark Star, which is as funny as it is bizarre. A very low budget sci fi about the alien sort of basically looks like a balloon that goes on board this ship, and all the astronauts are basic stoners. 
So it's, it's, it's funny. Oh it's just a bit odd. But you look at his run of films, if you exclude the TV movies, which we will do, just to allow for his run, so he had Dark Star, then he went f- from Dark Star to Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, that... Which is a great film. That is a great film. Which is a remake <clears throat> of several westerns themselves. He went from Assault on Precinct 13 to Halloween. Then from Halloween to The Fog. Mind you, I've got to say, although, like I said, this and um, Escape from New York are my favourites, I mean, The Fog, I think The Fog is a, a good, creepy kind of film as well. And then from Escape from New York to The Thing. And then he made Christine. Which is a great film as well. The Killer Cadillac Car. After that, Starman, which is again an acquired taste. Yeah. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which I think is one of those films you'll either love or you'll hate. I don't think there is an inter... That is really as culty as they get. He's consistently worked with quite a few of the same actors because obviously you go Kurt Russell, Big Trouble in Little China, you've got Keith David. Yeah, it was Keith David a lot, didn't he? Yeah. Whatever movies has he made? <clears throat> After that, he's, he's surprisingly, he's only directed 31 films, which you'd expect him to have done a few more. Um, so the last sort of big budget film that he's done was The Ward with um, Amber Heard yeah seen that no it is unfortunately for me it was predictable yeah I mean the review the the reviews aren't very good they aren't very positive at all it's not from my point of view it's not a bad film yeah it's just one of those films now that because there's been so many similar before it, you could actually figure out what was going on way before the end. Yeah. Um. Mind you, that's one thing, one game, I never actually got to play was this, the video game. Yeah, it was a bit, it, it, it was very mixed, wasn't it, in terms of its review. If you'd gone out there and you'd found that and you knew those people were shooting at that dog, you'd shoot that dog, unfortunately, you'd burn that dog, then you'd get the hell out of there. <laughs> oh, yes. It's incredible, really, the effects that this guy created. Definitely the music in this is superb. That is one big VHS. The quality back then. Yeah. No, I didn't realise that. Of course, should have noticed on the title sequence, but it's Ennio uh, Morricone who scored it rather than Carpenter himself, which is quite rare because he normally does it all himself. And Morris is going to make an appearance in the podcast. Yeah, you would be terrified if that's on, Morris. Yeah. No, they're not real. They're to be um, slaughtered. We're about to be slaughtered, Morris. Oh, 
<laughs> Spoiler alert. The thing that they brought back isn't dead. It's still alive. Oh, that's it's true. It's got cellular um, life in it. Because obviously, although it was torched, it still lives. Dog went to somebody as well, so you don't know if somebody is... Yeah, that guy who potentially licked. How many man-hours went into building those animatronic pieces? I mean, that that you've got to say that's probably a dying art form now. Oh, yeah. Because obviously a lot of everything now is computer-generated. But you lose that, that, that sense of depth, don't you? It doesn't look real CGI blood doesn't look right no so it's an ideal parable because at the time still Cold War that's what the movie's all about it's that playing on fear of man versus man who can you trust that's really interesting I didn't notice that at all uh, Keith David wearing gloves for most of the film because he'd like broken his hand prior to production. Just goes to show how inventive they were in this film then because John Carpenter at the time the sort of peak traditional tech would have been done through stop motion and he didn't he didn't want to do it because he said it wouldn't look right, it'd spoil the rest of the feature. It just goes to show you that with a good matte painting artist it looks so much better than some some CG stuff you see these days. Because it's that finely done, it is tricking the eye yeah. into believing. Because, I mean, even with some of it, you can actually see like some of the cold coming off. Yeah, so yeah. your eye's not focusing on it. But with CGI, because there's that much going on, you can actually tell. Yeah. Your eye's going, oh, that ain't real. Yeah. And from the 1951 version that Howard Hawks did, which we talked about, a little bit earlier what I find quite interesting is that that was shot and set in the North Pole whereas this one's set in the South Pole Lena if you were to if you were to rank aliens where would the thing rank with you if you were just to, you know if we looked at the major movie ones I mean, let's, let's, let's make it a bit easier and say that sci-fi horror genre. Let's not include people like aliens from Star Wars. So no Jedis or anything like that. Let's just focus on the actual monsters. Well, really and truthfully, I mean, this would probably have to be top because against an alien, I mean, it could probably eventually assimilate being an alien I mean I know they've got acid for blood but it would still be able to do something yeah but aliens they are badass aliens and predators exist in the same universe does this exist in the same universe as them well, that's a good question the reason why I'd be we put the yeah you put the film studio to one side you know, the other two are Fox, this is Universal, and fully enough, one of the only Universal films where the Universal world symbol doesn't yeah. appear at the start. 
But I think, yeah, where would I? I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's up there. You know, those are the big sort of three that you can automatically think of. If we go by what you were talking about in the prequel, spoiler alert, people, um, in terms of how you're able to detect the thing, you're talking about um, if there's any metal in a predator of the two alien or predators, more likely to be some form of met metal within a predator because they they're either their braids or something along those lines, which make it more difficult. However, the thing in theory would overtake them all because its basic organism is to replicate and eradicate, isn't it? That's what it does. I mean, if you almost think that the alien has been the perfect killing machine, which technically it is, if you wanted to go in, it's the ultimate biological weapon in terms of damaging a planet but leaving something behind. If you want to kill all the inhabitants, you yeah. send down an alien. But then you've got the challenge of getting rid of all the aliens afterwards. The thing does it. You're screwed because the only there's only two ways to kill it: one with fire, or you freeze it. So if you're actually after any plant life or vegetation, that's all gone. If you freeze it, you might want to mine it, but you're never going to know where all your mining stuff is. So it all gets a bit. But if you're talking about a mono a mono just a clean punch up then the thing can't win unless it morphs into something that is equal to or greater than yeah because <clears throat> I mean it's the only thing you've got trouble with with the thing it swings a punch and makes you bleed you swing a punch and make it bleed if one bit of that blood gets in contaminated with yours you don't know what's going to happen. True. Which is, I mean, but with like we were saying, with the aliens, I mean, the acid would probably kill its blood, but obviously it's going to eventually find some way of... But yeah, the thing is, we don't know what acid does to yeah. them, do we? So that's the thing. We don't know whether it would eradicate. So I mean, I know the alien acid is much greater in strength than your standard acid. Because it burns through spaceships, for God's sake. I suppose the Predator's got a massive advantage because unlike an alien, the Predator has the technological advantage. Yeah. So it can blast it. Yeah. If it knows what it is, there's no doubt about it, with its shoulder weapon, it would destroy it. And it's probably <clears throat> more liable with its visions, heat visions... And all the other visions it's got is probably more liable to pick it out. Yeah, that is true. Without doing, it wouldn't need a blood test. No. But then again, it's less likely to infect because they tend to be quite to live and work in isolation. They'll travel yeah. to somewhere and then be dropped off and then come back and get picked up. Because you, then you think, well, who were the other major alien creatures? So you've got Sil, haven't you, from Species? Well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. She was able to beat up some humans. The thing had eradicated. No match for an alien, and a predator would just batter her. Um, but then again, it sounds like we were just saying invasion of the body snatchers, which would win with the pods. Well, that's the because they, really they, they, they assimilate stuff. They do, as well. don't they? But then I suppose then on top of that, then you've got the um, the alien invaders from the faculty. 
Yes. <laughs> Another quality film. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is awesome. And like the thing, there is a sequence where someone uh, loses their head and then it goes after their body. But that's now, the thing. Then you could go really extreme and say, well, what happens if it's uh, um, Mars Attacks Aliens? <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing with Mars Attacks Aliens, uh, you just got to play that one song and they all die. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. But what else is there? Who else? What other? Because you then start thinking about other epic smackdowns, don't you? So you even had the game and comic series of Robocop versus Terminator. Yeah. But it's then thinking, like, okay, who else? What else is out there? What are the classic sci-fi horror creatures? We're all very tired. The Blob. Yeah, the blob definitely on scale would beat all of them. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, with a blob, it's fire. And um, else I can do. cold can stop it because obviously it's yeah, solidifi- yeah. it solidifies. Yeah, that's true. So, you've got the blob. You've got critters because they eat anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially when they form that giant ball and just start going rolling around town. <clears throat> but they didn't manage to eat Leonardo DiCaprio, did they? No, no, they didn't. <clears throat> uh, you know, you start to look at great sci-fi horror films. So you've got this. You've got you, you've got Alien before it, which is a haunted house in space. Then you've got this you've got aliens which is a war film in space um you've also got starship troopers yep which is a really cool film you, you, you know, if you're being sensible you ignore the alien versus predator films because none of them have been of any caliber of quality no see i think with the alien versus predator films they made a mistake they should have gone along the book versions because I think they I mean I think it would have made better and more sense in the universe go and there's a planet where the aliens well where the predators go to release the aliens where young predators can be blooded because that's what that is they do a hunt yeah if they survive they get blooded well obviously humans have gone out into space and they've created a colony there which course then you get that sort of thing where you can't control the outcome of what's yeah. happening it's, it's quite difficult to think of some some like because I mean you could come across like quite a lot of aliens types films but it's would they be like you said would they win in a space you know what would come across I mean I think we've, we've identified the top three those are the three that for me would no. win yeah now if you go down the, the, the comic-y type one what about Slither oh, that's, see I love that film that's really cool lots of little sort of slug like yeah <laughs> Aliens? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the in the show, in the show, if he gets. Hey, wait a 
Is it a sheriff or is it is it like the mayor or someone along those uh, lines who gets basically becomes he, he's the local sort of bully yeah. type bloke. But um, yeah, I think you're right. It does. There's another interesting one. It's good film. Is is Sliver as well? I've forgotten about that. But I suppose then you start to think. Well, do you then start to consider? I suppose if we put say we've put the creatures to one side, then you think about the psychological sci-fi horror. Which films sort of stand out for you? This one. Because obviously you don't know who the thing is. Yeah. The original alien. Yeah. Because obviously they don't know what it is they've gone to investigate. And obviously when the alien first comes out, I mean, it's enough to scare the living daylights out of you. Yeah. In that scene, nobody knew what was going to happen. No, that's what makes it so amazing, isn't it? So the reactions are realistic. Um... I mean, I, I then start to think about stuff like Event Horizon. Yeah. Which is a superb film. And ironically, the director is Paul W.S. Anderson. He um, has been making Resident Evil films for ages. And actually, he made a film that inspired one of the best video horror games of the last 10 years in uh, Dead Space. Yeah. The first two games in particular are phenomenally good. Um, yeah, I don't think um, The Rock in Doom would be much of a threat for uh, the thing or an alien or a predator. If I don't know. know, the people's elbow. That, that, <laughs> that could probably annihilate anything. Virus. Where they're on the ship and obviously the electric... Well, the aliens is is like an a, an electronic virus, and then it starts building stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that's I mean, one with Jamie Lee Curtis, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's a it's a terrible film, but in the end, that virus starts sort of using human bits yeah. to create something else. So, you know. When you start to look at them, don't you? Then you start to think about other good sci-fi films, which some of them don't necessarily have a big budget, but they are really clever, like uh, The Cube. Yeah. That's that's a good film. Um, funny enough, I remember when that came out in the in the nineties, and you um, you got it on video, and you recommended it. Said you know it's a B movie, low budget, but it's really really clever. And it is a really clever movie about um, a group of people stuck inside a cube trying to escape. Um, but um, as we all find out, there's serious costs in trying to escape from there. It definitely wouldn't I recommend. I think that's the thing. When you, when you look at it, from my point of view, I don't think, with any film, really and truthfully, I don't think the budget matters. I think how it works is how it affects you and how it makes you think. It's like this. What would you do? Yeah. I mean, you've watched it and we've seen it dozens of times, but the first time round, would you have looked at yourself and done exactly what they did? Or would you have gone, no, how to this, I'm going to burn everything, I'm going to do something because... 
your survival instinct's gonna kick in, isn't it? Now this is one of the greatest yeah. bits of horror special effects. And what was really cool about this is that the guy who, the actor who is injured in the sequence was replaced by somebody who has a, a double amputee yeah. to give that additional realism. Because this is the thing, because people aren't, because obviously he's wearing a mask and I've never actually spent a lot of time looking to see if you can tell because you're that engrossed in what's going on. Yeah. Well, you can tell a little bit, but not very much. Yeah. That is weird as hell. Oh, that 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 would be a quality one for you then. Looking through some of these, who would win, the thing, or the Men in Black? That, that's a really interesting one, actually, isn't it? Because you put the comedy a bit to one side, and in theory, they do, they would have the weapons. Yeah. And the tech to identify it. I mean, this is a bit that's amazing. It's stuff like this. I mean, it is the ultimate example of a creature who will do anything to survive. And uh, another quality line coming up. Technologically, it's got to have. Well, I suppose it could have got that knowledge from something else it's taken over. Well, but, I wonder, because of the way they shoot the start sequence, whether it's actually a prisoner on a ship and it started to take it over and it's that's caused the crash because it obviously doesn't have the intelligence because yeah. it's a primary intelligence being it's just after one thing survive replicate and survive replicate and survive it's not interested yeah. in anything else but really and truthfully then starts going through your mind how many species has it actually taken over and if it was a prisoner on that ship, how was it contained? Yeah. Had they got a special thing that could contain it? Was it frozen? Did it fall out and then the ship crashed and it escaped? And, you know, stuff like that. Because yeah. obviously, when the legs come out of the head, it almost looks like a spider. Yeah. But it hasn't replicated into... You know, he hasn't had a spider to replicate from, so where did that yeah, exactly. come from? I wonder if, unless part of its replication process includes that it can establish and build things from people's memories. So let's say oh, yeah, absorbing that's... you, and then somebody remembers what it, it scans through your mind and identifies. Well, but it would probably have to, because obviously, if it's mimicking you. Then obviously it's going to have to access your memories and things like that because otherwise people are going to look at you and go, "Well, he's not talking, he's not acting like he should be." You see, when a man bleeds, because obviously it's mimicking you. 
So it has, if like you said, if it had your memories, if you didn't know you'd been assimilated, would there be fear there that you're going to get caught being the thing, or would the fear there be the initial thing? Am I the thing? Yeah. See, no, because you've got another problem now. That blood has scooped up. Yeah. Could be anywhere. Oh, nasty. <laughs> oh, poor old windows. I mean, the invention of the creature in terms of how they enable it to kill is phenomenal. Because um, what I think was quite good is, um, in a Fangoria magazine, they actually did a competition for somebody to draw what they believed the thing would look like at the end. And... I can't remember. I think the prize was um, you got tickets to see to see the movie. Yeah. I mean, the thing is actually really, really clever as well because what it's actually doing is encouraging the team to destroy their own habitat yeah because what was quite clever as well because the dude who was the thing actually dobbed himself in the head to yeah. make it think people think that he wasn't the thing You would be like that, just in case, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Great line coming up. I love this bit. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! <laughs> Because in a way, you've, I, me personally, when I watch this, I always feel sorry for Gary because the crew really take the mick out of him all the time. I mean, he's in charge yeah. and I don't think they believe he's up to the job. But he actually, he's probably one of the only characters who's probably more stable than everybody else. Because, I mean, he shot the Norwegian at the start. He made that decision, my men are in trouble. I will protect them. And he's tried to protect them 
throughout. Throughout. I mean, he was willing to give up his gun to show that he would follow what was necessary and needed to be done. But it's a bit like um, the doc in it as well, because what the doc does, it's an extreme, but he basically goes, we're all going to die here. We're going to make sure that no one can knows why. They, we must destroy every last trace of evidence on this. To leave one man behind on his own, knowing that he wasn't the thing. Because, I mean, they all know now that they're not the thing. Yeah. You'd have probably stuck together as a group, wouldn't you? You have to. So you obviously got to be right there. It's got to know. It's yeah. got to get some latent memory because it knew where the detonator was. Yeah. Teen favourite TV shows, The X-Files, did one of their episodes, Ice, as a homage to this. Okay. Because they go to the Arctic and they've drilled up it's not the same sort of thing, but they've dr drilled up a parasitic worm. Yeah. And when it gets inside you, it makes you go crazy. But you can't tell who the worm's inside. And if you try and take it out, it it can kill the person. Yeah. So that's got the same sort of atmosphere because you're trying to work out who's actually got these worms inside them and who hasn't because the paranoia starts to kick in. Yeah. And that's... Um, done as a homage to this. Clever idea. When he breathes and talks, you can see his, his breath, breath, Yeah. but you can't see Charles's. You could when he first was stood there, but it's hard to tell. And he uh, breathes there and there's a bit, but it's whether... Because I know there was an ending where it's only McCready who survives and they do the test on him and he is alright, it's a happy ending. Yeah. But he didn't like that one, he preferred this one. It's more fitting in terms of yeah. tone. And the, the way yeah. the way the film's been all the way through. Because this is a win for humanity. It may not feel like a win when you're watching yeah. it, but it is a win. Yeah. Because obviously, if you go... Because they did a comic book series after this, and obviously you find out that Childs was the thing. Yeah. But I do prefer... Uh, I mean, it's one of those things. It's always like with a lot of films do you accept sequels if they're not as good or any adaptation after as part of the same sort of thing I mean it's like for me Highlander I love the original Highlander film it's a brilliant concept brilliant yeah, yeah. film but everything after it isn't you can't really class you, mean, it. you don't love Highlander 2 The Quickening what, where they came from another planet? Yes. No, and I... Sean Connery is back. And they get decapitated by a fan from a ceiling. I hate that. But the thing is, I watched the TV series. Now, the TV series made no sense 
to Highlander because McLeod had already won yeah. the prize. But as a standalone thing, the TV series isn't actually that bad. I think if what they'd have done is said, right, okay, McLeod is going to win the prize, but the TV series will show the gathering as a whole, I think it would have worked yeah. really well. But So what are you giving this film out of 10, mate? Oh, uh, for me, this is a 10. It, yeah. is, it is one of my all-time favourite films. Um, I'm not sure it fits into my top 10 films of all time because doing those type of lists is always really difficult and things flux and, and move depending on your mood. But yeah. It's a, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. It is a great film. I give it 10 out of 10 as well because I think the suspense and all the work that went into it at that time is just phenomenal. I mean, generally speaking, I don't tend to... If I'm doing a 10 out of top 10 films, I don't tend to do it the normal way. I tend to do my top five films in a category yeah like sci-fi category action category comic book category because that way I know you get more films in it but at least you can give a fair review because I mean really and truthfully if you do your top ten films of all times there's films from like sci-fi categories or horror categories that aren't even going to get in there but are exceptional films so that brings this particular segment of the podcast to an end thank you Ed for your contributions once again you're welcome and we will do another 80s movie next week hopefully it'll be Flashdance <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with a bit of Flashdance at least we can uh, identify whether she can spot weld correctly or not Thank you.